This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host. Coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Wednesday, the 29th day of November, 2023. And this is a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and anything else I want to talk about. Good to have you with us. Gosh, uh... The week is flying by. You got youth group tonight. Looking forward to that. Um, that's that's uh, always fun. I, I missed not being there last week. We we didn't meet last Wednesday because Thursday was Thanksgiving, and uh, I missed that. We've got to plan our Christmas party with the youth. That's always fun. Just um, man, we're. We're, we're past Thanksgiving. We're ramping into the Christmas season. Chris Honholtz is still refusing to watch Elf. You know, life is good. <laughs> um, with with all of the the vagaries and and issues that we see in the world around us, it really is nice to know that life is ultimately good. Um, God is sovereign. God is in control. Everything that happens is for our good and his glory. And as we enter into the Christmas season, we can, we can rejoice and we can, we can enjoy family. And, you know, I I always like the lights and the Christmas trees and the, it's 10 degrees here right now outside. And that's a little, a little nippy. But the the there's no snow. We're supposed to get snow Friday. It's supposed to start snowing. We've had a really cold week, and we haven't had any snow yet. Um. So yeah, we're we're plugging along. Um, it, it, between now and Christmas, the winter weather's kind of nice because it's it's it sets the mood. But then from New Year's until late April or late, you know, at least March, mid-March, it gets, it gets dreary. Um, There's something about winter. I'm not, uh, Mrs. Squirrel is a quote-unquote winter depressive. The lack of sunlight and everything does affect her that way. I'm not really, I just... I, I get to the point where I just don't like the snow and the cold. And our big snow month is February. That's actually when we get most of our snow is in February. And then it all melts off in March. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm not looking forward to shoveling the driveway, which we haven't had to do yet because we haven't had any snow. We had one one snowfall middle of October. It was a pretty heavy snowfall, but it was all melted off in two or three days. Um, and that's the only snow we've seen. We've had some rain. We had some warm days and some rain. Now it's cold and dry. 
but apparently we're supposed to get some snow over the weekend. Could be interesting for Saturday night's Grizz game as we're in the second round of the FCS playoffs. The Montana State or the University of Montana Grizzlies are playing the Delaware Blue Hens, who came here back in the early 90s, like 92 or 93. We had a playoff meeting here, and they beat us, I want to say it was 49 to 48. Really close game, really high scoring game. I am not foreseeing that repeating. If the, the the Grizz seemed to be peaking at just the right time, the way they crushed Montana State a couple of weeks ago, you know, I mean, Montana was number three, Montana State was number four. It was not supposed to be a one-sided game, and the Grizz just crushed them. And so I'm hoping that uh, the, the Grizz keep playing like they do, and if they do, we got a shot at another national championship. Don't don't look past Delaware, you know. Uh, we can't look past Delaware, but uh, you know, got to win each game. But man, the way we're playing, there, there's a there's a reason why the University of Montana was the number two seed in the FCS playoffs. So Saturday night, seven o'clock is the game. So I am looking forward to that. Of course, it's going to be dark. It's going to be cold. It's probably going to be snowing. So haven't uh, haven't laid out my clothes yet. Um, but, uh, you know, when the sun goes down, it gets cold. So I'm thinking, you know, heavy-duty, you know, maybe wool pants or ski pants or something on my legs several layers on my upper body, my my good heavy mittens, and probably my snow packs. Not for the snow so much as for the insulation. My feet get cold. My feet get cold sitting in the house. So having, uh, I'm, I'm wearing very, very fluffy uh, slippers right now <laughs> to keep my feet warm. So it'll be, uh, uh, I'll wear the heavy heavy snow boots just to keep my feet warm probably with a uh, with a chemical toe warmer in there um, we use the hand warmers and toe warmers um, for football games um, keep your hands and your feet warm because uh, your hands and your feet get cold you're cold it doesn't matter how much you're wearing on your body so you know, and you're, and you're sitting, I mean, even if you're jumping up and down and yelling, and I mean, you're not moving around. It's not like you're out hiking or something. So you're, you're sitting in a cold stadium um, outdoors, and the, the you know, you got to stay warm. Now, I have been to a couple of Sub-Zero games. Um when you really bundle up, this won't be that, but it will be uh, will be a cold day. All right. As I said, this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. 
We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the audio podcast is available wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. All right. Uh, yeah, I really should start calling Twitter X, but I, I just, it's Twitter. Uh, it's always been Twitter. I need to bring back the bird. I That's the, the one thing I understand. Although Tesla doesn't have an X in it, but I understand Elon Musk, you know, it's SpaceX, and, and, you know, but X just doesn't, it's Twitter. And, and you know, he just, through a decade of branding, now, granted, Twitter had some issues <laughs> under Jack Dorsey, um, uh, especially during the, the 2020 and the COVID and the fact-checking and all of that, that that caused issues. And the Twitter files that uh, that Musk released um, showing the, you know, collusion between the FBI and the, the DNC and the White House and everything to go after conservatives uh, the, that were critical of government policy, you know, that's the whole purpose of the First Amendment, <laughs> so that you can criticize the government with impunity. Um, and and government doesn't like that. Government has never liked that. I just saw, just this morning, saw, heard, listening to the, the news when I was in the shower, they were talking about the fact that because of these riots in Dublin, which we talked about on Monday, they have the the Irish government is pushing to put out uh, the, the strengthen their quote unquote hate speech laws so that you can't criticize their immigration policy, and it uh, the there was actually. A clip, and I, they played a clip on the news, and I didn't catch who it was, but it was a Irish government official woman who said, "Yes, we're." I can't remember the phrase she used, curtailing freedom or something like that, but she said, "But it's for the common good." <laughs> and all I could think of was how many horrible, horrible things have been done for the common good. Um, scary, scary stuff. So, yeah, there's a reason why, and they, and the newscasters comment on the fact that, you know, none of this would ever fly in the United States because of the First Amendment. But we have seen the attempt anyway to censor Americans' free speech by the government. And it's, uh, it's scary. It really is scary. This is stuff that I never expected to see in my life. The the slide into totalitarianism 
that, you know, in, in some places is running full tilt into totalitarianism. In other places, it's still kind of lurking around in the corners. But it's scary. But as I said just a little while ago, God is sovereign. God is in control. Everything that happens is for our good and his glory. And so we can endure these things. We can even rejoice in the midst of these things. Um, you know, I, I, there are, being a historian, looking back at um, the history of the world, and I think back to the fact that, you know, not that long ago, like 100, 150 years, kings and queens of Europe did not have the luxuries that even the lower middle class have, even the, the, the people in poverty have. Yeah. Heated homes, um, indoor plumbing, electricity, the electronics that we have, you know, the, the, these things would be considered miraculous not that long ago. And, and yet we are not even content with them. So there, maybe we, we need to challenge the spirit of discontent because we really have been blessed with so many things. And the fact that, you know, the average person in America lives much better than kings and queens of 150 years ago and longer. You know, don't even get me started about that 1200s. Yeah, you just, we have been blessed with an, to live in an amazing time. Um, and so we should be thankful and we should be content, not content. We should be, you know, feeling blessed all the time in the ways that God has gifted us with just the day-to-day -day luxuries that, that we enjoy. All right. What do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And we are resuming our study Bible level Bible study of Deuteronomy. Today we are looking at the end of chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Is that right? No. 9 through... No. 15 through... 9 through 14 was yesterday. 15 through 22 is what we're looking at today. Um... I hope that's just a mistake in my notes that I actually let me scroll down and make sure I have the right. Ah, yes, I do have 15 through 22 <laughs> in my notes. Hey, you know, you, you, sometimes even I mess up. Oh, all right. Let's begin as is our practice with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. 
We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. The devotional today is entitled, Hallowing God's Name. Scripture, 1 Peter 1.16, commands believers to be holy, hallowed, whereas it recognizes God as being holy. So attributing to him the holiness that already is his is how we hallow his name. As with every other truly righteous action, hallowing God's name must begin in the heart. Peter reminds us to sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, 1 Peter 3.15. When we do this, we also sanctify him as Lord in our lives, as we above all affirm that he exists, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Hebrews 11.6. Discovering and believing scriptural truth about God is also a way to hallow his, hallow his name. Any deliberate ignorance or wrong doctrine about the Father shows gross irreverence for him. But if we want to completely hallow his name and have full reverence for him, we must go on to have a constant awareness of the Father's presence. David was a great example of this. I have set the Lord continually before me, Psalm 16.8. Perhaps the greatest way of all for us to hollow his name is by following his will down to the smallest task, making it the entire goal of our lives to glorify God, 1 Corinthians 10.31. Furthermore, we hollow God's name by drawing others to him, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5.16, cross-reference to Psalm 34.3. Ask yourself, everything we do, think, say, and communicate is a reflection on the name of God, since we have been called by his name and wear it as our chief identity. When are you most likely to forget that you bear the name of Christ, that you carry the responsibility for doing nothing to defame or discredit it. That's a good word this morning. Now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast 
the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22. Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of God, of Yahweh your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore, or I will die. And Yahweh said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their brothers like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it will be that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. Now you may say in your heart, How will we know the word which Yahweh has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is a thing which Yahweh has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. This is important. This is the the this passage is commonly called the test of the prophet. And this is a passage that the modern charismatic movement really can't get past. This is why otherwise solid theologians like Wayne Grudem have to say that the prophecy that exists in the church today is not the same as the prophecy in the Old Testament. Because the the prophets today can be wrong. Think about that for a minute. That's not <laughs> what the scripture says. Um, you know, if 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 God commands a word to be spoken, that word is going to be dependable. If a prophet says something that God told me this, and it's not true, that's a sign it's a false prophet. This passage said that in Israel they were to be put to death. It also says, you shall not be afraid of them. And and the being afraid of them involves, you know, the the don't respect them, don't heed them, don't don't take their words into account. These are not people to be listened to. Yet they fill our airwaves with this sort of junk. So let's look at this. Moses starts out in the beginning saying that Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, you shall listen to him. So there's a, there's a promise of a prophet. And and it's, it's the promise of prophets to come, but it's emphasizing the ultimate prophet to come, the perfect prophet, priest, and king who is Jesus Christ. All of these offices, prophet, priest, and king, 
come together in Jesus Christ. They were separate offices in ancient Israel, and that all of those offices belong to Christ. He is our prophet, he is our priest, he is our king. He is the, the ultimate prophet to come. Um, we see that in the opening verses of the book of Hebrews. Let me flip over there real quick. Um, no bookmark, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Always takes a long time to get there. All right, Hebrews 1, just the first, uh, first few verses here. God, having spoken long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days spoke to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world's who is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power, who, having accomplished cleansing for sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. So, Jesus Christ is the final prophet of God. But we know that God sent prophets. And, and the writer to the Hebrews says that God spoke to us in, God spoke to the fathers through the prophets. And it says they did it in many ways. There were words, they had visions, they had dreams. There's, you know, you read through the prophets, there were, you know, different ways in which God communicated through the prophets, but it was always the word of God, and it was always to be, you know, obeyed. As I said, you shall listen to him. And then he, he, Moses says, this is, this is why God's going to send you a prophet. This is according to all that you asked of Yahweh your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore, or I will die. If you remember back at, at, at Mount Sinai, when before Moses went up on the mountain, the entire nation gathered at the foot of the mountain, and they heard the voice of God giving them the Ten Commandments. Moses didn't go up on the mountain and get the Ten Commandments and bring them down. The Ten Commandments were given before Moses went up on the mountain. Now Moses went up and got the tablets of the covenant, which had the Ten Commandments on them. But Moses, you know, didn't come down and give the people the Ten Commandments. God gave the people the Ten Commandments before Moses went up on the mountain. And it terrified the people. It absolutely terrified the people to hear the voice of God. Because the closer you get to the sinless, perfect, almighty God, the more aware of your own sinfulness you can't help but be. And so it, it frightened the people. And so they said, you know, they told Moses, don't let God talk to us again. You go up and hear what he says and you come back and tell us. 
And so that's the, that is continuing with the promise of the prophets. And he was going to send the prophets and that they were to, li- to listen to them. And, and God didn't disagree with this. God didn't condemn the people for this. Um, the, the fact that they were um, experiencing this, you know, God understood that because God certainly knows how sinful we are and God knows how, you know, the awareness of our sinfulness and the awareness of his holiness can affect sinful people. So he said in, in, in verse uh, 17, And Yahweh said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among your brothers like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So, again, this is someone who's speaking to the people at the command of God. And he is speaking the things which God commands. Now, when you go back up there, and you see, the people were terrified when they heard the voice of God. And they said, don't let me hear the voice again. Or let me see this great fire, or I will die. Going back to the modern-day false prophets, there is a flippancy with which they recount encounters with God. And it's disheartening. (laughs) And it's one of those cases, you know, wouldn't want to be them on the Day of Judgment. Um, But it, it shows that they have not encountered God. Um, whenever someone encounters God in the scriptures, uh, where all of a sudden they realize they are face to face with the God of the universe, they collapse. Yeah. I, I think, uh, Daniel had the vision by the by the canal and saw a pre-incarnate image of Christ and fell to the ground as if he was dead. Um, Ezekiel, you know, when he had his vision of God, same sort of thing. Uh, Isaiah, you know, when he just, you know, I'm, you know, woe is me, I am undone for I have seen the Lord. I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. He, he was confronted. I mean, he was, he was undone is what he said. I am undone. I am unmade. I am, you know, totally, utterly destroyed by this. Um, Peter, when he realized who Jesus was in the fishing boat that day, and he said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, <laughs> you know, whoa, whoa, you don't want anything to do with me, you know, you being who you are. I mean, John, in the beginning of the book of Revelation, when Jesus appears to him, he falls to the ground as if dead, passes clean away. Yet, you know, you have false prophets who just flippantly talk about chatting with God 
like, you know, you'd sit down and watch a football game with your teenage kid. That's not the way an encounter with God goes. Now, is God our father? Yes. You know, and does God have a sense of humor? I absolutely believe he does. Um, scripturally, we look at Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You know, some of the things Elijah said are just flat out funny. Um, and, and, you know, I think the platypus is absolute per, uh, proof that God has a sense of humor. Try try listening to an evolutionist explain the platypus. You know, you you end up you know if they're consistent, they're going to have you know beavers evolving from ducks, <laughs> yeah, or something. Plus, they're venomous, and they're, I mean, it's just it, 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 there's there's no way evolutionarily to explain the platypus. There's just of course evolution doesn't work anyway, but the platypus is just like in your face. God has a sense of humor. And I do think that, that it is possible to be at home with God. You know, it says that we can we can boldly come into his presence, crying out, Abba, Father. We can be bold with God, but we can never be casual with God. And I'm not talking about dress. I'm talking about the attitude of our heart that we should never be, you know, trivial or flippant or casual with God. This is the, the creator of the universe and it's a very serious thing. And whenever in Scripture, we see somebody confronted with the absolute presence of God. They melt. And that's what happened to the Israelites at the foot of Mount Sinai. They were like, no, don't let us ever hear that voice again. No, 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 no. You go hear what he says, and you come back and tell us. And remember, whenever Moses came from the presence of God, he had to veil his face because his face was glowing with the reflected light of the glory of God where he had been. So the people were even scared of Moses when he came back. Now that's, you know, this is, this is the soberness that we need to have as we think about God. So I'm going to raise up a prophet from among you, from among their brothers like you, and I will put my words in his mouth. He shall speak to them all that I commanded, and it will be that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Folks, we have the oracles of God right here in this book. These are the things which the prophets have spoken the prophets and the apostles. In the the book of Acts, you know, it talks about that the the church, the early church, devoted themselves continuously to the apostles' teaching. That's the New Testament. 
That, that was written by the apostles. You want to know what the apostles were teaching? Read the New Testament. And the early church was devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. The church is built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. We have the word of God available to us like never before in all of human history. We have good translations. We have inexpensive copies. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can get a several hundred dollar premium Bible, and there's nothing wrong with that. My preaching Bible uh, with the cover by Jeffrey Rice was not cheap, but it will last me forever. Um, same with the, the MacArthur Study Bible he did for me which is right here, which is just gorgeous, buttery soft. Look at, look at the inside lambskin, buttery soft. You know, I, I like this Bible. Got the, but you don't need a several hundred dollar Bible. They sell this in a paperback for less than 20 bucks. Same study Bible I'm holding here. And... You know, so you don't have to have an expensive Bible. There are free Bible apps. Literal Word is free. Literal Word is the best Bible app for iPhone and Android, iPad, whatever. It's free. And you get four Bible translations. You get study tools, search functions, that you can have on your phone for free better tools than most theologians had access to for all of the first you know 15 20 centuries of the church um i mean i i have a exhaustive concordance back here for the NASB, and I remember working on sermons when I was looking stuff up in that exhaustive concordance to find things. And, you know, now, and, and following the, the cross-references in the center column of my Bible and, and all of that and running all that stuff down on paper on books, I do it all now on software. And a lot of that software is free. So you can get literal word for free. You can get, like I said, it comes with four translations. You get the the King James, you get the ESV, you get the New American Standard 95, and you get the Legacy Standard Bible. Plus it's got Greek tools. and other, I mean, you, you can, it, it's a, and it's free. You have access to the word of God in ways that previous generations couldn't even imagine. When I mean, you go back to the Reformation, go back through most of human history, most of human history, most people were illiterate. Most people could not read. Um, and, and the fact that it was actually the Protestant Reformation that caused the biggest push for literacy because... You know, they wanted people to be able to read so they could read the Bible for themselves. And they wouldn't have to take the word of 
some priest. They could read it for themselves. And it would be in the language they knew. They didn't have to learn Latin. So that was the the big push of the Reformation was to get back to the Word of God and what the Word of God said and get the Word of God into the hands of the people. And so now we have all of these tools and all of this availability, yet we do not avail ourselves of it, even Christians. I, I don't, I am not in the Word as much as I ought to be, and neither are you. Yet, listen to this. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will speak to them all that I commanded him. And it will be that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. We saw this in in Jesus' ministry on earth. Whenever a doctrinal dispute came up, what was Jesus' reply always? Have you not read? And then he would quote, from the prophets. You have had the word of God for generations and you should know what it says and you should be doing what it says. And and the interesting thing was that, you know, it didn't require a decoder ring. Every time Jesus said, have you not read? It was pretty clear that the, the plain reading of the text was exactly what he meant. Um, and so, you know, we've had the word of God. Our obedience to it is required of us by God. And he says, so, you know, whoever doesn't listen to his prophets, he will require it of him, meaning that he's going to hold them accountable for that. But then verses 20 through 22, we have, the false prophets. And this is what we call the test of the prophets. But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak. So the presumption is to stand up and say, God told me to tell you X when God didn't tell you. That's presumptive. That's presumption. And so to do that, is to to incur God's wrath on yourself. He says, you know, he, he whoever says something that, that I didn't tell them to say, but says I says it, which he speaks of either he either he say, he speaks it in his name or he speaks it in the name of other gods. So this is you know if, if somebody comes out and says yeah, I know Yahweh said X, but Baal said Y. And, you know, espouses another god, or Asherah, or, you know, uh, Horus, or, you know, any of the other uh, pagan deities of the ancient Near East. That, you know, or China or anything like that. There was a death penalty in Israel for that. Goes back to the, the, the false worship. You know, go back to the beginning of 17, where if you, you know, anybody that worships the, the, the gods of the Canaanites, they're to be put to death. And beginning of chapter 18, you know, anybody that does any of these abominations should be put to death. And now, 
anybody who claims to be a prophet who isn't shall be put to death. It was serious business. It still is. But then 21 and 22, it's like the, the, Moses asked a great question. He says, Now you may say in your heart, how will we know the word which Yahweh has not spoken? So he's specifically saying, he just said, okay, if somebody steps up and says something I didn't tell him to say, put him to death. Well, how do we know you didn't say it? You know, this is, this is something anybody can stand up and say, God told me to tell you. You know, and far too many people do stand up and say, God told me to tell you. God said. How do you know if God said it? And here's the test. When a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which Yahweh has not spoken. So, you look back at, you know, 2020, all of these quote-unquote prophets and apostles, self-proclaimed, who said Donald Trump was going to win. You know, they were all wrong. And if they were all wrong, guess what? They're false prophets. Don't pay them any heed. Certainly don't send them any money. Because if somebody stands up and says, God told them to say something, and it doesn't come to pass, that person is not speaking from God. Um, incidentally, this is why I think pretty much without exception, all of the Old Testament prophets' books contain both short-term and long-term prophecies. Predictive prophecy. So they'll say, you know, something that's going to happen in a few years or a few decades, and then they'll have, some, you know, something's going to happen in hundreds of years. And the fact that they were right about what's going to happen in a few years and a few decades verifies or, you know, gives you confidence in what they say is going to happen in hundreds of years. Or, you know, the coming of Christ, the first coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. Most of your, most of your predictive prophecies seem to fall into the first coming or second coming of Christ. Um, this is, you know, the short-term prophecy validates the long-term prophecy. The faith that we are asked to have is not blind faith. It's informed faith. We are told to trust God who has proven over and over and over again that he is trustworthy. But we are not to trust in men who presume upon God. It says that uh, back in verse 20, that prophet should be put to death. Verse 22, it says that prophet, shall, you shall not be afraid of him, shall not give him any heed. So 
God promised to send prophets, which he did. He holds people accountable to the words that he sent through the prophets. And he warns us against false prophets. So if we are held to account for what God has said, we are also held to account if we follow those whom God has not sent. Because, as somebody said, I, I don't, it may have been Fred Butler, it may have been Andrew Rappaport, I don't remember, it may have been both of them, um, may have been Justin Peters, talking about how inaccurate all of the 2020 election prophecies were. He said, you know, and just by chance random process, you would think some of them would have gotten it right, but none of them did. <laughs> so it's like, that's, that's God's sense of humor again. You know, this is like, they're not going to get any of it right. And he makes sure of that so that we know, you know, this is the word that came through the prophet who said when, when somebody is presumptive and somebody is false and somebody says God told them to say something when God didn't tell them, we're not supposed to heed that person. And by not heeding that person, we're heeding the word of God, which we are held to account to heed. Does that make sense? So, yeah. But the ultimate prophet to come is the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophet, priest, and king. Um, so that is our study Bible level Bible study for today. Now let's recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the 26th Sunday after Pentecost. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Colic for Grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to the beginning of this day. Defend us by your mighty power, that we may not fall into sin nor run into any danger and that guided by your Spirit we may do what is righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now the colic for the unrepentant. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. 
and through your only Son you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Wednesday. Hope you have a fabulous day. We're halfway through the week. Uh, pray for me and, and Scott and Sue as we're getting ready to, to lead the youth group tonight. And uh, whatever church activities midweek that you have going on, I pray, pray that they would be a blessing to you and to others. So have a great day. Remember, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you again here tomorrow another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.